Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex, along with me is my co-host, Chase. Today we got some news to break down, and then we are going to do our awards. Since next week we will be getting right into the playoffs, we figured that with only about four games left, the awards probably won't change too much in terms of the ones we have to decide anyways. So we will look at that. But first, we wanted to get to a contract. Let's start with the easier one. I don't think there's going to be a ton to say about this, but let's start with Zdeno Chara. So he signed a one-year extension. At, I think he's 42 years old. It is a cap hit of $2 million with possible $1.75 million performance bonuses. Uh, one of those bonuses is if he plays 10 games, he gets $1.25 mil. It's pretty easy to expect that he will play 10 games over the course of the season. And the other one is a 250k bonus for uh, qualifying for the playoffs, and then another 250k if they win the cup. So I would say realistically, you could probably expect this to be a 3.5 million dollar contract. That sounds right. Well, how do you feel about this? Um, good for Chara. He just kind of keeps chugging along and defying the age curve. I would agree. I think. I mean. Again, it's low risk if he does completely fall off a cliff to the point where he's not an NHLer anymore. It's not like you're signed to three more years or anything like that. And I would be, I'm imagining this is just what they'll do until Char decides he doesn't actually want to play anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah, fair enough. I haven't seen any, like, signs of aggressive decline in this game. He's still playing fine against top pair, like, in top pair minutes, which is so impressive. Yeah, like, he can hardly move, and yet he still goes out there and just gets, like, above average results which is very impressive for a 42-year-old. Yeah, I would agree. And um, again, I, I said we don't have much to say on this because there's just there's not much to analyze. I mean, yeah. good for him, good for the team. He's an important part of that team and the captain as well. And it, it really is amazing how he can do this at 42 years old. It's insane, actually. Like, I, I mean, if he keeps it up, maybe he's like defensive yager. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And it'll be interesting to see once he does finally start to take a couple steps back if he's open to just playing, like, third-pair minutes with, like, a power play stand in front of the net type guy or if he'll be more like Yager where he says, no, forget this, I don't want to play anymore, or I'll go back to my hometown and I'll I'll play top lines there. I, yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer, no but, idea. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because uh, the rate he's going, even if he starts declining gradually, I, I mean, when you get this old, you could fall off a cliff within a season, but... Um, the rate he's going, if he even becomes a third line or a third pair guy in a couple of years, maybe he still plays till he's 44, 45 as just a bottom pair guy. Yeah, and that's the thing with this deal, too. It's like if he becomes a third pairing defenseman next year, it's not going to kill million you. for one year is yeah. just so fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess the, the bigger deal here is the uh, uh, Schmaltz deal. Nick Schmaltz signed a seven-year deal with the Arizona Coyotes that carries an annual value of $5.85 million. How do you feel about this? It was a little rich for me, but I don't think it was atrocious. I think it's a... It was it, interesting. It, I just don't know if this is the guy I'm looking to sign for seven years. I I saw someone compare it to the Zaitsev, Zaitsev contract in that you're just hoping he keeps developing or that could look not great but then again i don't think he, like if he's making 5.85 next year i don't think that's the worst thing yeah like i think that's fine it's not like i don't think it's like the zaitsev thing in the sense he needs to tap, take a step forward to make this a good contract not to make this a stomachable contract yeah i think that's fair enough i just i was a little thrown off that this is the guy you signed seven years but this is the guy you traded your former third overall pick for who's now like a point per game in chicago yeah he's your top he's going to be your probably first line or second line center for years to come so maybe yeah maybe this is the guy you want to lock up um yeah i don't at 23 years old i obviously don't see him dropping off no but yeah i i i didn't know what to think of it when i saw it i was like that seems like a lot of money but it's reasonable, I guess. Yeah, like, he's young. He's shown, like, an ability to score, so, or, like, put up points, so, I don't know. It's not the worst bet in the world. Like, I saw a lot of people freaking out. I don't think it's terrible. No, but... I don't, like, there's been much worse contracts than this side, and yeah. I'd rather sign the, I'd rather sign this kind of deal to a 23-year-old Nick Schmaltz than a 28-year-old, like, Andrew Ladd in or free Lucic agency. Or or whatever, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean... The age, his age helps, and I mean, they clearly need want him for the future. They traded for him. They want him to be there, so fair enough to him. 
Yeah, I have a, some of his closest comparables is Ryan Strom, Saad, Schwartz, Kyle Connor, and then Sagan and Burakovsky. So, like, I don't know. It's kind of hit and miss there. Yeah. Nothing there's, terrible. There's though. a couple of real good players and just a couple fine players. And, yeah. I mean, I think Saad has hit 20 goals again this year. Yeah, Saad's so, a good player. Yeah. But, yeah, so the odds of him being a star are probably pretty low, but. I mean, I don't think Arizona views him as a star either, which is fine. No. So, and you don't need to be a star to justify a five point eight million dollar cap hit. So, no, not fine. at all. I mean, that's very reasonable. Um, yeah, I also think um, like our perception of cap hits have not caught up to inflation around the league. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I mean, with the cap going up, um, like this is going to look. This could look if he's even a second line center for the next the whole seven time, years. That's yeah, fine. This will look real good. In exactly. Three or four years. So. I mean, even next year might look pretty solid. Yeah, it'll never be the biggest steal in the world, like yeah, Nathan McKinnon. But yeah, but if he just chugs along at sixty points, like that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. I, you've talked me into liking this contract. Yeah. I think a bit more. I was a little confused at first, but the more I looked into it, the more I think it's just pretty fine all around. Yeah, I wouldn't say either side really won here. No, it's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get to the awards then? Let's do it. Uh, so we'll start with the heart award. I guess I should ask, how do you look at the heart? Do you look at it as just the best all-around player? Do you look at it as the best player in the almost playoff seed team? Or do you just look at who's providing the most value relative to their team? I just go most value to their team. Like, uh, I don't really have a care for the, you have to be in the playoffs or not. I, I don't either. I don't think it's unreasonable to put more value on guys in the playoffs. I would agree with that, but you also, I think you have to look at their situation. Yeah. So, for, I, I get why you don't want to just give McDavid the heart every single year, year after year, because that's not fun. No. But what I do like doing is, so what I did when I made my list was, I took a couple guys who I think are just really, really good. I put a little more weight on a playoff guy, and then I also took two guys that I would consider because... They almost double the gar or war of the next player on their team. team. So, um, who do you want? We're going to list. I have four players down here. I know you had a couple goalies, but we'll probably list their top three or four guys for each. Uh, I said let's just eliminate goalies, but do you want to give your two goalies? Uh, Yeah, so we're going to eliminate goalies. I would have John Gibson and Frederick Anderson as my one and two if goalies were included. I understand that. I just think that, like, I don't think goalies should win the heart. because if we're going to include goalies to the heart, a goalie would should win the heart every year. Literally every single like, year. There's yeah. probably five or six goalies before any player that is more important to their team. Yeah. Um, it's as simple as that. So that's why I try and... I know people, uh, you know, if it's kind of like the Carey Price situation, even though I don't think Carey Price probably should have won the heart that year. I think people got way into his uh, basic numbers there, but... I mean, or Sergey. He might have been nuts that year. It's he was just very that, like, good. It was just I don't know if that's what you def- define as the one goalie who should win the heart. Yeah, it's just, it's not that Price wasn't good. It's that like Bob last year was, I was probably better. Yeah, right? I think it was last year or two years ago. Sergey Bobrovsky dragged his team kicking and screaming into the playoffs. Might two, have been two. Actually. Yeah, two or three years ago, like he had a really, really, really good season, and he I think he won the Vesna that year, but. Yeah, um, that's why I said just eliminate goalies. Do you want to go who you have your first guy then? So if we're going no goalies, I have Crosby as my one. I have him on my list, but I don't have him as one. Who's I have one? Kucherov as one. That's fair. I would put, I have Crosby at two. I'll just say my two now. Okay. I have Crosby at two because he is the guy. So I looked and, you know, Kucherov is the same kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with the season he's having, just putting up those raw point totals that he is. Yeah. I think he's on, like, how many points does he have now? He had 130, didn't he? Or I th- he's on pace to? I think so, yeah. I think he's on pace to get close to that. And, um, like, that's just insane. I get his team is uh, very, very good. And I get he gets to play with good line mates. Um, and oh, maybe... You got 120. He's at 122 right now. Okay, with four games left. So he <laughs> probably, probably won't hit 130, but 125 really isn't even that unreasonable to think, unless he rests a couple of games. But that is insane. That is ridiculous. We might not see a season like that for 10 more years. Exactly. Like, I, I'm trying to think who was the last person to hit 122 points. Because I don't think McDavid did that last year, did he? Wasn't it? It might have been if Sid I, or Thornton. I would, yeah. And I'm assuming that'd be in like 2010. Oh, it was earlier. It was like. 
2008? Like, it was really early. Like, when the scoring was really up right after the expan- or after the lockout? Yeah, Sid hit it in 06, 07, 120, not even 122, and then I think Thornton did it in 05, 06. That sounds about right. And so, for me, that's just, like, I don't know, I just have a hard time not giving it to him. Yeah, like, I've seen a lot of people say that, where they're just like, don't overthink it and give it to him. Yeah, and I will hear an argument for Crosby. I mean, I have him second on my list, purely because uh, from Evolving Wilds model, I think he almost doubled, or he did double the next forward on his team in uh, wins above replacement. Oh, he's just dragging Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, it's not talked about enough how uh, lacklust, well, not lacklust, like, Vigani Malkin's still been good, he just hasn't been the Malkin we've grown to know and love. Yeah, and Uh, Sid's been ridiculous. Yeah, like he's 23.8 goals above replacement according to the Twins model and then 14.3 is Jake Gensel as the second guy. And I don't know how much they've played together or not, but... Enough. Yeah, so I'm willing to bet that's probably not all Jake Gensel either. Enough there's room for a little skepticism. Yeah, so and then so his next non-line mate is Chris Letang at 13.7. So I mean, that's like, it's a 10 goal gap pretty much between Crosby and the next guy on his team. Yep. So I would be fine if he won or was, you know, he's definitely a finalist. I think he has to be. Agreed. And um, I would be fine if Kucherov won too. I think Kucherov will win it. I think he will too. I, I feel like that's the majority this year. Yes. One name. Okay, I'll, I'll finish my list here and then I'll have an. I think you have the guy that I was thinking of putting, but I didn't. Okay. So third, I have McDavid. Okay. Uh, this is just, again, the pure skill thing. I don't think it's his fault his GM sucks. He shouldn't be that punished for it. Pretty much as simple as that. I would put, I would either see him as a finalist or if he's fourth or fifth, whatever. Yeah, I'm five. Yeah. So, one behind Kucherov, so, so it's fine. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I Obviously, his season can't be understated either. I mean, he's the best player in the league. It's simple as that. Yep. But, um, yeah, when you, and I think that's where the waiting for me comes in. Being third compared to first because your team's not in playoffs, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to be black and white. No, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I hate the arguments when it's just 50 tweets debating the exact same thing. But, I mean, it is, that's what we have the awards for. It's open up for debate. And, I mean, if people want to debate what it's, like, what the award's for, hey, whatever. Yeah, and I think they're up for a little interpretation intentionally. Exactly. And, and I mean, that's that's the fun of it, kind of. Like, it's not like it has to be black and white, or the awards wouldn't be very fun, because we know exactly who wins every year before we even do the voting. So, Uh, who do you have as three? Mark Stone. I was debating putting him on my list, but I didn't because he's been traded mid-season. And, I mean, maybe you could look at what Vegas has done since getting him and go, there you go. But I just, because he was traded mid-season, I decided not to. Yeah, I didn't really know how to process that, like, the mid-season trade, but I'm still comfortable having him. What he did in Ottawa, like, just cannot go understated just how good he was. And, yeah, like, I don't I don't know. I think it's fair enough. I'm not going to, I'm a huge Mark Stone fan. I'm not going to complain. And just for reference, he's played 16 games in Vegas, and he's already 11th in goals above replacement, <laughs> according to the Twins model already up there. for Vegas, so... Yeah, like, uh, he's been ridiculous at all aspects of the game. Yeah, I mean, that it's pretty much as simple as that, really. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay, so that was your third. Who do you have as number four on your list? Then, oh, I, actually, I screwed up the order. I guess I have Stone, too. I go Crosby, Stone, Kucherov, McDavid, Ryan O'Reilly. Okay, yeah. I thought about Ryan O'Reilly. Um, I think there was a few other guys on his team that I, I had liked, too, so I didn't put him on there. He is up for another award for me, though. Me too. Um, so I had Pedersen for, Ooh, and this is an another one, one where it was just kind of a guy dragging his team even to relevance for most of the year. Um, the Canucks were legitimately in a playoff picture in February and March, which is way later than I thought they would be, yeah, and most were. of that was to Pedersen. As soon as he went down, shocker, they uh, they didn't do so great. So uh, Yeah, that's a, I like that pick, actually. Yeah, so I, I don't think he'll be a finalist, but I, I figured I'd give him an honorable mention as the four on my list. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he actually gets any votes. But uh, Do you want to go to the award he will be winning then? Yeah, let's so, go there next. This one's pretty easy. I think it'll be more interesting to see who you have maybe two, three, or four if you went that far. The Calder, I think it's it's Pedersen locked up, right? I mean... I don't even think it's close. Do you, Okay, so we know he's going to win it. Yep. Do you think he should? Yes. Okay. I would say, because who, so I had Deline second, 
And I, I think he's kind of the only one who could even try and threaten it, but I do think Pedersen should have this and does have this locked up. Yeah, I don't even think it's... I wouldn't really buy an argument for anyone else. No, I mean, you just look at what he's done on that Vancouver team. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, there's been some other really great... This has been a good rookie class. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would put... Better than it looked like it would be. Too. Yeah, for sure. And, and, I mean, some of that, I know Pedersen's not from this draft, but, I mean, Deline has really surprised, and uh, Kachuk has been solid. I'll, I have another guy on my list yet. But, uh, yeah, for Pedersen, I, I mean, you just kind of look at what he's done. He's led his team in... Uh, you know, any pretty much any metric, and he's been the only reason they were watchable for most of the year. It's, you really don't have to go farther than that. I mean, for Deline, he's second up for me. Um, I don't know how his underlying numbers look, but I know that in terms of, you know, all-in-one stats, he's been a first, a number one defenseman at age 18, and that's super impressive on one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, the future is unbelievably bright for him. Yeah, and I, I think the, the year he's having is good, but it's just not quite... Pedersen good and I and mean, Pedersen's older. Yeah, so he's two years sense. older, or at least one or two. Two drafts older. Yeah, so I assume two years. I older. think he's twenty, but yeah. So like, I mean, no fault of Deline, but that's just how the award works. Yep. Uh, so is that your one two? I have Deline three and Sorelli two. Oh, I didn't even think of Sorelli. I'm not gonna lie, I had Deline two and Kakniemi three. That's fair. Kat Kandiyami's been really good, too. He's been really, really good. Sorelli's a very... I forgot. I knew as soon as I was going through, I was like, there's some rookie I feel like that's super obvious that I'm missing. I have Sorelli, too, for the same reason I think a lot of people have Kat Kandiyami in their top three. And I have five, like Kat Kandiyami five, so he's still been awesome. But Sorelli's been amazing defensively. Yeah, that's fair. I have to say, I know the... Again, I've just... I looked a lot on the EW Twins. I, I do like their model. I mean, I don't agree with everything on it. But, I mean, you're not going to agree with any model perfectly, right? No. Uh, but, I mean, they love Gokniemi, uh defensively. And, and I, I don't... I, surprisingly enough, I haven't watched a ton of Tampa games this year. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Sorelli's a good choice. I, I like that pick. Yeah, I like him a lot. His penalty differential's been amazing. He's got good but not special point totals, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Then I so I have Gokniemi 3. Uh, I forgot about Sorelli. I'd probably have him somewhere in there. I had Svechnikov, four. I had him four as well. And I had one of Kachuk or White, five. I'm not sure which one. That's fair. They're both kind of. Yeah. One guy I think will get more Calder love than he should is uh, Carter Hart. Uh, he... Ooh, I thought you were going to say Heiskanen. No. I mean, I I'd like, I think Heiskanen's been fine, too, this year. He's been good. I don't know how much voting he'll get, but I, I just don't think Carter Hart has been amazing. Like, he's been, like, as a young, I think he's going to be a great goalie when he gets older. I'm just not sure he's played enough. No, and, and I just, even, I don't like, Corsica has him as, I think it was minus three goal saved above average. Not like that's bad for a 20-year-old or anything oh, like that. still crazy good for a 20-year-old. It's just not Calder-worthy, right? Like Yeah, he's played 29 games, so. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, sample size isn't big enough. I, but I, I feel like there will be some people trying to get support for him, too. Yeah, I can see it. Just because, like, a 20-year-old goal, he's so rare. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it's fair enough to him. I just don't think that his results, let alone the sample size, is good enough for yeah. uh, Carter... Uh, uh, Calder love, sorry. Yeah, with 29 games played, I didn't even really consider him. No, and, and I mean, yeah, the like Heiskanen's another name that, you know, he's out west. I haven't paid a ton of attention to him, but last time I checked, he was uh, doing real solid. Yeah, and I think he's been improving as the year's gone on. And that's what you like to see, at, I mean, at the end of the day, right? Um, and Esselindel, he's not a rookie, but I wanted to shout him out as well. He's been, he's been a big step up for that. He's been a big reason that Dallas team has taken a step ahead. I mean... I mean, I'm very excited for the playoff previews next week. I, I think it'll just be Chase and I. I said we might get a guest. We, I think we might try and do some more guests in the off season. But uh, for things like playoff previews, I, I know we'll have lots of thoughts on it, anyways. So we'll probably go over by ourselves. So. Yeah, exactly. So, but I'm I'm very excited to talk about that Dallas team because I, I tweeted earlier this week that I'm not sold on their roster, but I think it could give a team a scare in round one. Uh, especially with who their matchup looks like it'll be. And but. it's weird how they're, like, so different from the last Dallas Stars that didn't suck. Yeah, exactly. Um, they just, yeah, I don't know. We'll get to it next week. But, yeah. yeah. And then, so, uh, rounding out that Calder thing, Svechnikov. Underrated. He, yeah, he could be so much more talked about if he had line mates for half the year. Yep. Like, he was passing to Jordan Martinuk and, I think, Warren Fogle for most of the year, and... 
no offense to them, I don't think they're non-NHLers, but I mean, when your star rookie who's a shooter is passing and getting passes from them... It uh, doesn't help. No, it really doesn't. I mean, I, I think you. I follow a couple Canes guys, uh, and you ask them, and they tell you right away that, uh, yeah, like if you watch the game, he, he could be so much better if he was just put with line mates to succeed, and shocker, he got moved up. Uh, to where I think he was playing with was it Niederreiter and Aho or something like that, and suddenly he was doing real good. He's been doing great, yeah. So yeah, uh, I like the I like Tveshinov a lot. I'm very excited to watch him uh, in the future as well. He'll be like this has been a really good rookie crop. Um, yeah, and in oh, classic, so he, he's playing with Stahl and Teravainen right now, which is two very nice teammates to be playing with. Yeah, and in classic Carolina fashion, he has been amazing underlying numbers, but he doesn't he hasn't been getting bounces. So yeah, if those start going his way, he could explode. And I mean, I think he's still at what twenty goals, or is he not that high? Yep, twenty goals. Yeah, so I mean, and that's with not bounce, bounces not going his way. Um, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, the future is brighter for him than people that I have above him on this list. I yeah, think. I would agree. Um, let's do the Selkie now. Some people, anyways. I only had two names written down because I don't really even know how to evaluate this. One name I just had down because it's, he's my guy and I have to, and it's Mark Stone. I want to see a winger win it, and, I mean, he is amazing defensively. I feel like you're not, I mean, I don't like using the watch the game, but I feel like the stats back that up to you're not watching close enough if you think he's not good off and, or defensively because he's good offensively. He's one of the best guys at turning pucks over all over the zone as well. Uh, he's just amazing. Yeah, he is amazing. I have him two. I had uh, Ryan O'Reilly two. Yeah, so we flipped it. Then. Okay, yeah. I say he's been great again this year too. Somewhat uh, uncharacteristic of Stone, he's actually taken a little more penalties this year than is normal for him, and that's what flipped O'Reilly and Stone for me. That's fair so enough. Similar. I know in Ottawa it seemed like he was trying to chase and do a lot himself, uh, because, well, I mean, he really had to. If it wasn't him or Duchesne doing anything, there wasn't much happening on that team. But Yeah, I can't say I blame him for feeling like that. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I think that's the easier one or two. I know Crosby had talked about getting some Selkie love. Do you think he's in their range or like who do you have three if you had to choose a three i have three marcus felino see I, I which think, might not go over well but well, i think so is the again I'm, they're gonna get shout shout out a lot here the evolving wild twins uh released their defensive uh who they thought should be uh the selkie finalists and they had felino who was someone else in cockney and everyone just lost it on them and i mean i think it was kerfoot yeah, it was Kerfoot, that's for sure. Um, I don't know. Like, hey, I'm not going to argue with a defensive model because my I'm not going to act like I can watch what defense looks like either. I mean... Well, that's the thing. Also, um, like, defensive statistics aren't as repeatable, so there's room for some skepticism there. But that being said, with Marcus Foligno, if this isn't an aberration for him, he's actually been good defensively for a decently long time. So I have more faith in his defensive impact this year than I think a lot of people do when they just see him at the near the top of some Selkie leaderboards. That's fair enough. And then I think one guy who's going to get really overrated in the voting this year is going to be Alexander Barkov because of what his uh, priors have been. He hasn't been amazing defensively by any means this year. Also, he's weird. Stone gets love for this too, but Stone's actually been a god defensively. But they, both those players have a ton of takeaways, and people always cite that as their defense. And for like takeaways are an offensive stat; they're much more highly correlated with goals for than suppressing goals against. Yeah, but I mean, you could also argue that if you have the puck on your stick, you're not really because you took it away. You're not going to give up a goal against either. I guess. Yeah, that it makes, makes sense, sense intuitively, but, like, but just based on the past couple thousand players over however many regular seasons, it's much more highly correlated with offensive things than defensive. And Barkov's been a takeaway monster this year. Yeah. And I think that's what people cling on to. Yeah, well, I just think, I like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say Barkov's overrated, but he's definitely not underrated anymore. No, not at all. Um, I, I, We talked about this in a past podcast as well, but you can't be the most underrated player by literally everyone and still be underrated. So Exactly. Um, do you have any more on the Selkie? Um, let's see who else. I had caught Kenny Emmy 5. Okay, so... Yeah, I, I didn't even, I just had two guys, I had no idea who else to put. But That's fair. I had the right two, I guess, according to your model, I would imagine. Um, let's go to the Norris then. This is another one I had two because I just wasn't sure who to put. The Norris but is a tough one this year, It I is. Think. There's a bunch of guys that, you know, aren't bad. You know, I, I think I might have a three, but I'm not, I don't know. Who do you have as one? 
I think I have Giordano. I have Giordano as well. Um, I, I mean, there's all the narratives there for him to win it, and, you know, I'm not going to be disappointed at all if he does. And they've got the old guy narrative that he's doing all this at 35. You got the narrative. Well, I mean, not even the narrative. I think one of the most impressive things to me is that he's the reason his team's in playoffs. I mean, him and Goudreau, there's a couple other big ones there, but he's he's leading his team in things like uh, goals above replacement, and he's just he's been amazing all over the ice. So Yeah, he's clearly a fantastic hockey player. He's putting up tons of points, and it's almost a crime that he's never won a Norris before. So Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, who do you have two? I think Dougie Hamilton. I have him four. I just like seeing both of them go on to have great results. (laughs) After last summer, it was a huge fight about who was carrying who. That's Yeah, that's very fair. Um, Yeah, I have him four. I actually have Morgan Riley second. Oh, that's bold. I don't even have Riley in my top five. See, I have him second. I know his defense isn't the greatest thing by any means. It's terrible. But, I mean, his offense makes up for it, especially this year it has made up for it. And that's the thing. I feel like when people get caught up on the Norris, they say, well, who's going to be better? Or, you know, like what what has this resulted in? It's this year only. So, you know, if he was strong possession stats and point stats, which Riley has both, I'm not going to fault you for that. Even if you're shooting unsustainably high, do I expect him to score how many of her goals he has again next year? No, probably not, but... For this year alone, I, I have liked what he's done. Yeah, it brings up, like, a really interesting debate. Like, Morgan Riley's actual goals for impact evolving hockey has twice as good as his expected goals impact. So it really brings up, like, a debate on how do you value... Like, expected versus actual? Yeah. Yeah, and... I lean towards expected, and if you have Riley, you clearly lean towards actual. And I think... I don't think there's a right answer when we're talking. Here. I get both, and I think... I don't, it depends. So my thing is, um, you know, with expected goal, I would probably lean towards actual if we're going on a one-year sample. I think when I'm evaluating the player, I'm obviously going to say, yeah, going forward. So if you ask me who the best five defensemen at the end of the year are, you know, if we do our list of top ten, five or ten defensemen or whatever, Morgan Riley probably won't be second on my list. But I do think he would could be the second best defenseman just this season. Yeah, if that makes fair. sense. But I think that's because his results have said that. Even, yeah, some of it is definitely luck-driven. Um, but at the same time, you these awards are also lucky. And and it's a little different than, obviously, like you're not going to give it to a guy who shot 25% like Carlson yes, last year and then go, oh, yeah, no, he's probably the best. But, I mean, you need to take uh, a bit of both, I think. That's fair. And I don't know. I try and, uh, try and figure that out. But, yeah. Yeah, it's more of a art and a science sort of thing to weigh these two for awards. Exactly. So who do you have three? I think I have Colton Pareko, but I'm not entirely confident. That's fair. I had Victor Hedman, actually. That's also fair. He's been really good. He has been. I, I don't know if I agreed with him winning it last year. I don't know if there was a clear favorite last year. He won I mean, the Norris last year. Yeah, I think so. He won it, right? I'm going to check this. I'm pretty sure he won it. I think he might be right, but... Yeah, Victor Hedman. He won it last year. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I have last year as, obviously, Hedman's down years. He's still a number one defenseman, but I still had last year as a down year for him. Yeah, and I think he's back up this year. Like, I've liked exactly... I mean, it's kind of hard not to be up with how good that team has been. Everyone needs to be up, but yeah, yeah, like, he's been very, very good again this year, and I think he should be probably a finalist or just outside the finalists at least. I think he'll get a lot of love, too. I think he will. Um, There's a pretty big rush to make sure Tampa Bay gets rewarded for this season yeah for sure and then um so that was my three you had Pareko, you think who do you have four i had theodore Latang, and shabbat in no particular order theodore's an interesting name um he's another one with expected versus actual so his legitimate results probably don't blow you away but all of his underlying numbers are insane yeah that's fair enough and i mean there is something I think to still be said about having underlying numbers that are really good. I think that so, I don't like personally when I try and look at it, like when you want to look at expected goals, that's fine. But then when I'm looking at driving play and stuff, that's when I shift to Corsi a little bit more because you want to see, you know, are they doing this where they're actually keeping the puck out of their own end just as much as well? And I think that's kind of where I look as well. So, you know, when Theodore's really good in that, I mean, I'm not going to fault him in that at all. Yeah. And, uh, just back to the expected versus actual, or just another point on it. I think I have more faith in expected results for defensemen. How so? I just think there's less defensemen. So, like, 
there's some guys like Patrick Laine is ex- when he's on the ice, his goals for is always going to outperform his expected goals for. I just think there's more forwards can do to influence it. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, there's only so many shots a defenseman can take that'll actually like go in. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah, Thomas Chabot and Chris Letang. It's uh, too bad Chabot didn't play the full year. Yeah, I would agree. I was gonna have Chabot maybe as my fifth, but I didn't want to seem like a homer. And uh, his, he's a very interesting case of. I mean, kind of like Morgan Riley too. Uh, is it? Do you can you just go with the guy who's got the highest point total, or should you look at the all round game? Because Thomas Shabbat's defensive game is not good. I can tell you that watching him, that he loses his man quite a bit. It is not very good. But his offensive side of thing is just, it's elite already. He's kind of like a less extreme Morgan Riley. Yeah, like, I would agree with that. Um, I don't, it's, no one wants to talk about in Ottawa, and I don't blame them. Like, uh, with how bad the year has been, you just don't really want to point it out. But at the same time... It is something he will need to work on, but if he can improve his defensive game to where he's even average in it, I think he'll be a, a Norris finalist for years to come. Oh, if he could be average defensively, he could be like a perennial Norris contender. I would agree with that. I mean, he is so good offensively, and um, yeah, he just and I, I have full faith that he will improve defensively. He's a 20, 20 year old or twenty one year old playing in the NHL as a defenseman. You'll improve. You're going to improve how you play defense when you get older. I mean. Most guys do, and I, I trust that he will. And he's on a team that sucks defensively. Yeah, that definitely doesn't help. I mean, when you're playing with, I think he's playing with guys like Cody Cece and Mark Borwacki. I mean, he's been strapped to Dylan DeMello for a bunch, too, which has been, I think, his best possible partner for him. But Which probably tells you everything you need to know about yeah, the Ottawa exactly. situation. Chris Letang, so you, when you have... so. I got into an argument on Twitter a couple, uh, probably a week ago, and I think Chris Letang kind of influences it well. It was the Eric Carlson argument about how many games do you need to play to consider for the Norris. Uh, My one friend was arguing that 52 is enough and that Carlson has been so good while he's played that you can give him the Norris. I said there's no way you should play 52 games and still get a Norris. I love Eric Carlson. If it was just who is better while they were healthy, Eric Carlson would still be my winner. I'd have him won if he played the full season. But he didn't. Uh, So Chris Letang's played 63 games. He'll probably finish with 67. I think that's enough, but what I wanted to bring up more was just, where's your cutoff personally? Um... I think as long as you can provide more value, I don't really care how many games you played. But realistically, somebody's going to have to play like 65-plus games to actually provide the most value. Well, and Probably that's, that's what I was... That. So the debate really came down to, um, is it the best defenseman, or the Norris, is it just best defenseman while they play, or is it most value provided to your team? The way I look at the Norris is the best defenseman is the guy who brings his most value over the course of the entire year. I agree. So Mark Giordano at 80 games or 75 games, whatever he played this year, provides more value than Eric Carlson at 52. Even if Eric Carlson was better in those 52 games, he didn't play for the other 30 games, so you can't give him the Norris. Agreed. Yeah, I I wish Carlson played the full season because I would definitely have him won then, but I think it's so hard when you miss that much time to keep up with other elite hockey players. I totally agree. I just I don't think it's fair to other people. I mean, because... I mean, sure, we're getting into hypotheticals, but we could say Carlson could expect to regress a little if he played 30 more games, or who knows, maybe he gets better, but I doubt it. Like, And that's the other problem with small samples, is you should expect a regression to the mean. Exactly, and 52 is enough that you can at least draw conclusions that, yes, he is good, but we probably didn't need this season to do that with Eric Carlson, right? Yeah, we already could have guessed that one. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know, that's an interesting debate. I think that's one that I'll, everyone will have a different opinion on, but... I think I'm kind of on a similar boat as you, as where it, it depends on the value you provide, not how many games. But um, like if someone somehow provided the most value in goals above replacement in 20 games, where they scored 100 goals in 20 <laughs> games, I go, sure, give them the Norris. They earned but it then. But that, realistically, you're probably going to have to play, what, 70 plus? I would say at least 65. I think and I'm, be very, very good in that 65. Yeah, something like that. Like, I mean, to win it, I would say probably 70 at least. But to be a finalist, I think at least 65 would be around that mark. Yeah, something along those lines. But, yeah. Um, there's two more awards. I think the one is going to be... We'll have some debate maybe on the, the lower end of it, but uh, 
Let's go with the Vesna. I think we probably both have the same number one, Gibson. Yep. I think we probably have the same... Oh, wait, no, I, I changed my number two just to uh, just to mix it up. All right, who do you got? I have Ben Bishop. Ooh, that's an interesting one, actually. He has been shockingly good this year. He's been amazing. He has been, like, he has been again, this is why I was going to get to with the Dallas thing. He has been one of the key reasons that Dallas has been in the playoffs, and he has provided legitimately, him and Lettinen, or, uh, is it Lettinen that? Who's Hudobin. Their, Hudobin, that's it. Surprisingly have both been very, very good for the Dallas team. Dallas being, like, buoyed by elite goaltending is one of the weirder developments of 2018-19. Yeah, and so maybe my thing to the the Bishop not getting the Vesna or being second, but he's only played 45 games, which maybe you want to say that's not a big enough sample size. But, I mean, at the same time, like, there's not too many goalies that are playing a ton of games. Like, there's only four right now that are 60 above, and I wouldn't have any of them near the Vesna because I don't think any of them have been super good. Devin Dubnik's played 66 games, but he's been a minus 20 goal saved above average guy. Yeah, the Minnesota Wild have been just sewered by Devin Dubnik. Yeah, and I mean, it's, uh, he's an interesting one just because he's a little bit of... The team is so good defensively, it's not fair to Dubnik because you can't <laughs> expect him to stop what little they give up, realistically. But at the same time, he's also not anywhere near as good as people think he is. Yeah, he's let them down for sure because their team is so ridiculously good defensively. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like... The model's probably a little too low on him, but generally people are also probably too high on him, and it's somewhere in the middle where he's a below-average goalie. Yeah, he's definitely yeah, well, well below-average goalie. And Price, he's been he's played sixty-three games, but he's been just above average, which is fine, but it's not yeah, that's not worthy. He's right? been good when it mattered. Yeah, like Hellebuck and on. Jones. Have, well, Jones has been horrible. He's somehow been worse than Dubnik, and uh, jo- uh, Hellebuck hasn't been great either. Markstrom's played 59 games, which blows my mind that he's played that much. He's been weirdly good, eh? Um, but, yeah, so I think if you want to make a case that uh, uh, Bishop hasn't played enough, maybe you could bump him down a spot or two, but I would have a pretty hard time knocking him out of my top three, I think, if I'm being totally honest. I would put your number two above him in Frederick Anderson. I had yeah. Anderson three. I mean, he does so much for the Leafs. Yeah. And the Leafs play a style where... Anderson needs to be used, and that's fine. That's why I felt really comfortable with Anderson being two on my heart ballot, is because the Leafs play a system designed to utilize having above-average goaltending. And that's one of the biggest problems with Garrett Sparks, is they don't adjust to that system, so they're still playing as if they have a heart-level goaltender when Garrett Sparks is in net. And, I mean, again, I think me and you both find Garrett Sparks fine, but he's never going to be able to be good with that kind of system in front of him. Yeah, he's clearly struggled this year behind it so yeah um but then uh just for anderson versus bishop the one thing their goals above replacement for evolving hockey is within one of each other so realistically it's not worth getting worked up either way i just give the edge to anderson because anderson's backup's been terrible and bishop's backstrom's backup has been amazing i say anderson had played 12 more games which may not seem like a lot but it is yeah and um, just the team effects are clearly working against Anderson more than Bishop there. So Yeah, for sure. I tried to balance out uh, Evolving Hockey and Corsica's goal saved above average models. I like using more than one if you can. I, I think that's just... Ideal, yeah. And they usually agree on each other to a pretty... Yeah, like there's not degree. always too many. I mean, Anderson Corsica's a little lower on, um, but I think that's just because of the team... Anderson's lower on course. It depends if you look at average or replacement, what you think of for Anderson. And there's this re- weird thing where you'll underrate good players who've played too much with above average statistics instead of relative to above replacement statistics. So it's just like a weird little quirk there that I'm never really sure how to tease out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any arguments on that. Um, Who do you have? So who do you have as three then? Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky. I have him as four. I have Bishop four. Yeah. Um, yeah, Vasilevsky's been good. Uh, I mean, he's he started off rough I, for some reason, I thought. In the first couple months he struggled, but he really turned it on since then. And again, he's um, with uh, the Evolving Twins model. He's sixth. And in Corsica, I think he's a little lower than that. It does, Corsica has not liked his Vasilevsky much at all this year. Probably pretty, probably just high on Tampa defensively. Yes, and and I just say yeah, he's they have him as a minus goalie, which I think is a bit of a stretch. Um, it surprises I th- me actually. Yeah, I think with Tampa, it's kind of one of those things where um, I, I think if you would know this better than anyone, 
when they play the Leafs and Vasilevsky was in that, the Leafs outplayed him. But like a lot he too. made a couple just huge saves, and that's where he gets his stuff from. So it depends if you if your model likes the big saves more than just being in position and stuff like that. Maybe you'll be higher on Vasilevsky because I don't like using the term clutch save because any save is a clutch save. But, you know, that spectacular one where you rob it where you think it probably should be going in. And it just depends how you evaluate those shots, I guess. Yeah, it surprised me they're so different. Yeah, that's like that's really probably weird. the biggest, I think, uh, difference in the model. And then, who do you have five? I think I had Laner. I have Laner five. So this has probably been our closest award, I would say, other than the Calder. But I would think so. Yeah, I mean, Laner's been really good. Uh, he's really turned his career around. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, him and Grice have both been amazing. Um, if you could just give a tandem the award, this would be it, I think. But you can't. It's just one guy, so... Yeah, them and the Boston tandem and then the Dallas tandem have all been ridiculous this yeah, year. Yeah, they've all been very, very good, so... Uh, yeah, I don't have much more to say on Grice or Leonard. Um, um, they, I think they owe some of their success to a person who we're going to get to in the next award. Yep. Uh, I may have him a little bit lower than you. I, I have a hard time evaluating coaches because it's kind of, how do you separate the coach from the team? Um, yeah, it's really hard. But, so we'll, we'll go to them now. Who do you have as your one for the Jack Adams? I think just John Cooper. I have John Cooper as well. Okay, actually, we have the same. We have the same top three in a different order. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have yeah. I have John Cooper as well. I just yes, the Tampa team is really good, and I mean we kind of use it for the same kind of award. Like we have Kucherov, Hedman, and Vasilevsky all in the top five for their awards. I'm gonna put Cooper here too because you still need to coach a team like this. I mean, I think the best kind of example I can give is. Mike Babcock in Toronto. I, and again, I've defended Babcock. I still will. But I think it's also fair to say Babcock doesn't maybe get quite what he should be out of that talented roster. You need to know how to coach it correctly, and Cooper has coached it correctly. Yeah, I think it's at very least fair to say Cooper gets more yes. out of Tampa Bay. Yes, and that's what I mean. Like I don't think Babcock has gotten everything that he possibly could. And that's not even necessarily a knock on Babcock, but... Yeah. Credit to Cooper for being that good. Yeah, the Tampa Bay's just been so good this year. I can't even really come up with an argument that Cooper hasn't got everything he could have because this is maybe the best team we've ever seen. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And so number two uh, is your number three, I believe. Yeah. I have Claude Julian. I just, I would be okay if you're, if, so I buried Trotz three and Chase has him two. I would be okay with Trotz two or, heck, Honestly, any of these guys winning, I would probably... These three and any... I think people would be really pissed if John Cooper didn't win, but I'm okay with any of these three guys doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of... It's been really amazing just how good Montreal has been at 5v5 this year. Uh, And considering the talent, and the fact that they're even hanging around the playoff race and are right there, given the talent level of this team, I think can't go understated. Uh, yeah, I think it's very impressive. Me and you both had them in like the bottom five or six teams to enter the year, and we just kind of slept on Claude Julian and his coaching abilities, I think. I'm a little angry at myself as well as everyone else for not having a little more faith in Montreal this year, because Montreal was really good under Julian last year. Yeah, they just didn't have the talent, so I think a lot of people just kind of assume they wouldn't have the talent again this year, Yeah, which is kind of fair enough. I mean, it's the same... Not to the same extent, but the same idea as when Babcock coached the 30th place Toronto Maple Leafs and yeah. actually had relatively good possession numbers, but they just had no talent. It just wasn't quite to that extent. Yeah, or is this roster has more talent and is getting better results. Yeah, it's the same and idea. I mean, I think both of us were higher on Tatar than Vegas clearly was, but I mean, do you really look at them trading away their Max, Max Pacioretty, their best goal scorer, and thinking, oh yeah, no, they'll be fine, or... Like, Max Domi and Thomas Tatar will make up for that easily. Like, yeah, they'll trade, or they'll get Tatar back in the Pacioretty trade, and Tatar will actually go on to be better this year. Yeah, or same with Domi and Gelchenyuk, another kind of guy who you would expect to do some scoring in Gelchenyuk, and Domi just lights it up instead. I mean, I credit, I guess, to Mark Bergevin. I don't really know. I mean, yeah. you got to take more than one year to evaluate a trade, obviously, but hey, it's worked out for them so far, so. Yeah, you can't complain But after this year, at least. Yeah, so if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about with Montreal's uh, insane metrics, they're third in Corsi this year, and uh, they are fifth in expected goals, uh, according to Corsica. So impressive. Uh, just, uh, I don't mean to diss the uh, lineup, but it's just, it's not, 
there's not many high-end talent guys on that lineup. And Shea Weber was out for half the year. Well, yeah, I don't think anyone would try to argue with you that Montreal's a star-studded lineup, especially when Shea Weber misses half the season. Exactly. I mean, Cogniemi actually being like a top-six centerman has been huge for them. Yeah. Uh, without that, I mean, good pick for them. I Amazing mean, I, pick. Yeah, like I know people were kind of laughing at it at the time, but I mean, it's clearly the right one. In my opinion, so far. Yeah, it looks better. It looks way better now than it did on draft day. Even if Sedina turns out to be a really solid player, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining with Cockney Like, So, uh, yeah, but him actually being good has been a huge help. Uh, Petrie still remains one of the more underrated guys, in my opinion. Yeah, Petrie's fantastic. And Price just being average this year has helped this team out quite a bit. Yeah, Price not. That's, That's what really sunk them last year. I think he was like minus 18 goals saved above average. And that's what sunk them. Exactly. So. That'll sink pretty much any team. It absolutely will. What made you go Julian over Trotz? I just think the underlying numbers there. That's uh, fair. I, I, I debated it back and forth because I, I will admit what Trotz has done with this New York Islanders team is nothing short of impressive. Um, Trotz has taken a team that lost its only, well, not only, I think Barzell's up there too, but a legitimate top 10 center in the league, by far their best player, and he made them a playoff team because of the defense, which they were the worst in the league at the year before. Uh, that, you like, I just, I don't even know, you know, I know a lot of Caps fans are were fed up with Trotz, and I think that's fair enough. I don't think he used his lineup like he should in Washington, but you can't also, you can't say that he hasn't got the most out of with this team. Like, this is exactly how this team has had to play. And just a defensive minefield for other teams to try and get around, and that's how they played. Yeah, and all the. Admittedly, I was a little confused why everyone was talking about Trotz as if he was like a coaching messiah in the summer, but. He's been great this year. Not uh, that I thought it was a bad signing, but. No, like me either, but yeah, like people treated him as if he was the best thing ever. I was like, if he would have gone out in the second round again this year, his narrative would have been a playoff choker, like it had been the previous six years, right? Exactly, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't, like, uh, again, either three of those guys winning, like if Trotz wins, I'm not going to complain about it. I know we call this award the PDO award a bit, and I think if Trotz wins, it would be a little bit as well. But at the same time, as we mentioned, I think that his system has also helped his goaltenders out. And for sure vice versa, but I mean, when you look at his goaltenders, and Robin Lehner looked like he may be on his way out of the league in a year or two, and he came in here and he's now a top five goaltender, or the fifth best in my opinion for this season. And Grice was terrible last year. Yeah, Grice couldn't stop anything either, and then he's come in and played amazing this year as well. So uh, again, I think, yes, it would be a bit of a PDO award, but at the same time, I find it hard to say he hasn't earned it. I completely agree with that, yeah. Uh, do you have, you wrote down two more. I, I agree with both of them. I think Tockett is four, right? Yeah. I, I would, he's been... just because what he's gotten out of that team, their whole, their half their starters have been injured for the entire year. They yeah. missed anti-Ranta since like game 30, and they're still on the cusp yeah. of a playoff spot. Yeah, the fact that they're still hanging around the playoff picture is insane. It's awesome for them. Yeah, and I mean, they had their first sellout, I think, all year last night. Which, Actually, yeah, they had 17,000, which is really good to see. Um, yeah, like, if you just go and look at the man injuries lost, like, it, it was just, in, it was insane. I think Stefan missed a bit of the year. Galchenyuk missed the first half of the year. We were talking about Schmaltz. He's out right yep, now. Yep, Schmaltz has been out for a couple weeks. Uh, they had a couple defensemen out for a little while as well. Like, they had a, literally, a, I think, two top four defensemen, their starting goalie, and three top nine forwards out at the same time. Plus a couple more middle six guys, like Brandon Peary and... Uh, Grabner are both out, and I mean, those guys aren't needle movers, but they're legitimate NHL players that can help your lineup. Yeah, especially for a team that wasn't great to begin with. Exactly. I think Dvorak was out for a a bit of time. Like, it's just insane what he's managed to do with that team, and so good for him. Um, Yeah, I agree. And uh, who do you have as five, then? Uh, Bill Peters. And he, yes, he is the Calgary coach. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree with that in a sense as well. I think the biggest difference between him and maybe the past, uh, the last one was goaltending. I mean, Riddich has been good this year. Uh, but I think Riddich Peters has gotten a, b- a bit more of his depth as well. So and Their underlying numbers are a lot better. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Uh, do you have anyone for the GM award? I know um, you didn't put much thought in it. I had uh, George McPhee just because he got... Mark Stone at the deadline, I think picking up the best player at the deadline and extending him to a reasonable deal for eight more years or whatever it is, uh, that's 
going to be good in my books. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. The, the, the GM award's a little tough because it, you really shouldn't be able to judge the GM's moves until three or four years after. For example, Pierre Dorian and uh, Peter Shirelli were GMs of the year in 2017. <laughs> I forgot about that. And you saw how that worked out. One of them doesn't have a job, and the other one shouldn't have a job by now, with both of their teams sucking. Um, so Yeah, they've both been terrible. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I figured I would just give McPhee a shout-out. I don't even think McPhee is the best GM out there. By any means, I, I have taken a lot of uh, trouble with some of the stuff he's done over the year, like, even in Vegas. But uh, I think getting the best player at the trade deadline and making your team into, like, They've been dynamite since Stone's got there, and it hasn't been all Stone, but he has definitely helped. And oh, yeah. really propelling their team to, uh, before they got Stone, you know, they were easily the third best team in that division. I wouldn't have even thought of them versus uh, San Jose to be a series. And now I think I might have them favored uh, going into the series because of Mark Stone. I think I might too. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, good on him there. Uh, you said before the show your GM of the year is probably a guy who's not even in the GM job anymore, John Cooper. Or, John Cooper. Steve Eiserman, sorry. Uh, building that Tampa team, and I would totally agree with that as well. Uh, yeah, it sucks, because I think he's clearly the GM of the year, but you obviously can't give it to him, so. No, you can't. And uh, it would be funny if they just handed it to Breeze Block, but. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> you did actually. absolutely nothing this year, but here you go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's pro- that's our award show for now. Um Maybe we'll re—I don't—we'll probably revisit what look what ours looked like compared to the awards when they actually happened. But at the same time, we figure we get this over with now. I want—we wanted to get an episode out for everyone this week, and then next week we're gonna have two back-to-back. We'll have an Eastern and a Western playoff uh, preview. Uh, I'm really excited for the playoffs. Just watch some meaningful hockey for once this year. I bet you are. Um, I, there's looks like there's gonna be a ton of good matchups. Toronto, Boston should be good. San Jose. Uh, San Jose Vegas should be good. Uh, I think who else? The the I think all four the, both the Metro matchups should be pretty good, no matter who gets in. Um, and then cross uh, our fingers for another Pittsburgh Washington second round. Yeah, St. Louis and uh, who are St. Louis playing? Uh, the Predators. Predators. That that should be a good one as or well. Or maybe the Jets. I would assume it's the Predators. They've been on a slide, right? Oh, so the nope, Jets they're both at 94 points. Never mind. Okay, yeah. But either way, I think that'll be a fun matchup as well. Yeah, there's a lot of good series this year. And then even the winner of that the winner of that division versus the Stars should be pretty good, I would assume, as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, as always, you can find us on any podcast site, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, whatever. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We've... Uh, Enjoyed seeing everyone that's listened, and if you have any suggestions for what we should talk about in the upcoming weeks or any comments about the show, feel free to give me a shout at NHL Sends and Stuff and Chase at CM Hockey 66 on Twitter, and we'll see you all next week.